Welcome to BIV Today. We are the daily business news podcast from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. This week, we continue our conversations with Vancouver's mayoral candidates. We're speaking to them all about their platforms and why they're running. We're doing this in the lead up to our Glacier Media All Candidates debate tonight, Monday, September 17th. The event is sold out. Some tickets will be released at the door, but it will be live streamed at BIV.com and on our Facebook page. Yeah, go for uh, more information if you want to find us at BIV.com slash events. And we also want to bring your attention to the fact that we have our Cannabis Investors Forum. It's on September 26th there. You can get a better understanding of the business and investment opportunities by the legalization of cannabis here. And this episode, we're speaking to Vancouver mayoral candidate Kennedy Stewart. You're listening to BIV Today. Kennedy Stewart is running for mayor of Vancouver as an independent candidate. He moved to Vancouver from Nova Scotia in 1989. He's worked for the city, has studied and taught at SFU, and has a PhD on world cities from the London School of Economics in the UK. He was elected as an NDP member of parliament in Burnaby in 2011. He has since resigned now that he's running for Vancouver, and he joins us in studio today. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. Tell us why you're making this leap from federal now to municipal politics. Right. Well, uh, when Gregor Robertson announced he wasn't running for for mayor, uh, a number of people approached me to uh, maybe consider it. And uh, I just love cities. Like I, I uh, sometimes I feel misplaced as a federal politician because I love cities so much, and in particular Vancouver, since it's really given me everything. And so, uh, you know, I talked to my wife Jeanette, and I said, "What do you think?" Uh, uh, some polling came out that had me, uh, you know, in the top five, but then the pollster said, well, probably the top four aren't going to run. So you, it looks like you might have a, a decent shot. And so I learned all that on May 1st and on May 10th, I, uh, I jumped in. I think number one issue for most candidates, and I think for most people in Vancouver, it's got to be the housing affordability issue. You're proposing uh, bumping it up quite a bit with regards to, say, rental stock that's available here. Make the case for the business model. How is it going to work just day to day? How do you make this happen here? Well, a lot of my work as an academic has been on cities and housing, and I've also done it practically as a housing policy advisor all around the world. And uh, what I notice in the most successful cities is that they provide housing, not provide, but they uh, you know, facilitate housing for people who are working there. Uh, and how they do it usually is through uh, nonprofits operating regular ha- rental housing that you would could, can't really distinguish from market rental. Uh, but the revenue comes, usually it's it's built on uh, government property, usually city property. Uh, the nonprofit runs it, uh, charges slightly less than, less than market rents, and the buildings are still making revenue. And then that revenue is uh, put back into the uh, housing for, uh, you know, for uh, the social housing you see on the downtown east side. So places like Copenhagen uh, have perfected this model, and, and I know we can move it here. We just have to uh, make it happen. We have, uh, as you would know, a number of official community plans. Do you envision keeping those, changing them, especially when we're talking about maybe densifying slightly? What do you think the future holds for those? Right. Um, well, plans are always evolving. If you think of Vancouver formed in 1886, so what it looked like, you know, City Hall was in a tent. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it has evolved a lot and will continue to evolve. So th- those are living plans. Uh, when I actually, the first thing I worked on in the city was City Plan in 1993. That's what I was brought in to help facilitate public 
public input into that. So, so I, I think like my priority right now is uh, talking to business, talking to uh, talking to the, the folks working in the city. Is we need some affordable housing right now, and so that's like a triage essentially. But I do see a, a, us going forward with a, a new a, a new strategy for the city to think. Well, where are we going to be in twenty five years? Uh, and to make sure that we're talking to everyone, and, and business is a huge component of that because businesses are so forward looking that their you know business owners uh, and managers are are looking at what's coming and then what the city needs to adjust to to keep up with the rest of the world because it's a global economy and it can go bad pretty fast so uh, we always have to be talking and but and continually revising our plans so from a city planning perspective you, you got your start uh, as an assistant planner here in city of Vancouver what would be one of the first things that you would change though what would you come in on day number one what would you prioritize about like this is how we should be rethinking things when it comes to the city from a planning perspective yeah i i think so it'll probably be a fractured council uh you know and i think i think that's very likely yeah yeah so the first thing is is to make sure we're pulling everybody together Uh, not to think uh you know not to just say my way or the highway and that's in in Ottawa, there's this kind of there's this kind of joke saying I'm the most uh, popular MP in all parties, but my own because I would always reach across the aisle and and I got stuff accomplished. So I got legislation passed and uh, it got things in the budget and because I would work with other people uh, and that's what I'll do. So the first thing is to make sure that we're we're all working together as a team, whoever gets elected uh, to make the city work. And and I do have the experience to do that. And then we have to get right to work on this affordable housing uh, issue. So it is. Uh, uh, you know, um, there's a couple of things, uh, but it, it's really, you, you can't promise that you're going to solve it overnight because, you know, a building takes about five to six years from start to finish, you know, once you get all the capital together and, and all that. So, um, so you're, you're counting on a second term then to see this. No, I'm not. I think once you get this structure set up, uh, then, uh, then it will roll through. And I, and I don't think any sane future council would really change the model because it works so well elsewhere, sure. but it, it's actually working with staff to make sure we shift the priority uh, to that. Um, the other thing is, uh, I do know the, uh, the one thing we can do immediately is the empty homes tax. Uh, there, you know, there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of talk about this kind of speculative uh, buying up of, of units in uh, and leaving them empty in the city. Uh, we It's been in for a little while now. We're seeing evidence that it's working. And so we should, it, policies that work, you should reinforce. Uh, and when they're finished working, you should pull them out. <laughs> so so that's really the plan for that. And we could do that right away. We can't really control the fed, what the federal provincial government does, but we can certainly control things within jurisdiction. So that's something we could do right away to make sure that we're filling those, those empty units uh, empty homes uh, as fast as we can. What other measures would you propose around reducing speculation? That's one of your uh, platform mm-hmm. pieces on housing. Yeah, I mean, uh, so you saw in New Zealand where they just banned uh, they banned 100% of foreign ownership. Uh, that takes the, the national government to do that, uh, really, or maybe the pr- province could do it. But most, So we have to focus on what can the city do, and that's really what's in my platform. So uh, going forward with all new housing that's built, uh, I, I figure we can we can protect up to one half of that, and that is uh, through this uh, rental specific zoning that's just been granted to the city uh, through the province, and uh, through uh, building nonprofit uh, run housing because speculators 
don't usually touch that. So, so over the 10 years, uh, you know, and I don't want to give you exact figures. So that's why I've given you a range because it's hard to know, but between one third and a half of, of all new housing would be protected from, from foreign speculation. And if we want to go further then the, the, the feds, mainly the feds would have to do that. What would be the strategy for attracting and retaining companies here in Vancouver? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, we're addressing the housing affordability issue. Stick around five, six years and mm-hmm. then we'll have it resolved. What about right now? What's the value proposition for companies coming to Vancouver? Yeah, I've had some very disturbing conversations with large tech firms uh, who are extremely mobile. Uh, you know, they're leasing their buildings now and they can they can pull out. Uh, and especially when their workforce is also mobile or they have multiple sites that that uh, that the employees can go to. So uh, their number one thing is um, is is having the affordable housing. That's why these kind of super high skilled workers are look perhaps would bypass Vancouver and go somewhere else. Uh, so um, one of it's to make sure we're we're building in housing with like large developments. Uh, so I'll give you a great example. Uh, St. Paul's Hospital is going uh, going to be down a main and terminal, and uh, and that is you don't think of it as a, like an industry, but it actually is. Uh, large research hospitals generate a lot, uh, and not just within the hospital, with all the side, with all the uh, accompanying businesses that support the work that are done there. But our current plan for the St. Paul's Hospital has no housing attached, or, or minuscule amount. So I think, uh, you know, I have been, uh, I talked I talk with the board and I've uh, actually did, uh, Jim Pattison is one of the main investors, uh, you know, he's very, very generous in uh, in giving up $75 million. And I've talked with uh, Mr. Pattison and others about the possibility of adding uh, a housing component to, to St. Paul's and thinking that we shouldn't have major development in the city, like a large uh, uh, you know, um, campus like that without having accompanying housing. But, and I do think that's the kind of conversations we can have with, with tech firms as well, or other firms that want to come into the city is to look at a comprehensive plan for their, uh, you know, their, um, how they, how they live and work in the city. And we know at the other end, small businesses facing these challenges as well often can't afford the spaces they're in, can't find a space and are moving further and further out of the city core. Uh, What solutions would you maybe have for small mom and pop shops who uh, maybe can't wait, say, a year Mm. until new housing comes available and that would maybe trickle down and and affect their business? Yeah, we have a. So I've been meeting with all the business improvement uh, associations and they're very neat organizations because they represent both, uh, you know, companies that are leasing and companies that are owning. And uh, it seems to me that the local owned uh, buildings, which house business, are pretty reasonable when they deal with clients. But now that we've kind of pushed some of the foreign investment out of residential homes, it seems to be going into commercial properties. And then when you're a, an owner of a, of a large building and you're out living outside the country and you're just concerned about maximizing your profit, you will often increase your commercial rents uh, and that that's having a, a big impact on on uh, some of the local businesses for sure. So so I think that's something we have to look at right away. I, I have uh, you know a, as well as uh, you know commercial commercial uh, property taxes too. I do think that uh, talking with the BIEs, BIAs, they would like to explore a a uh, you know perhaps a different approach to that. And I'm very open to that. I, I you know I'm I'm a policy prof <laughs> before I was an MP, and I think. All options should be on the table. You evaluate them fairly and and you think uh, with with scientific evidence, the best evidence you have, and that's how you make policy. So I am I can understand the pain. 
uh, just talking to many, many small business owners of them losing a business that they've had. Uh, you know, I talked to the, uh, my wife was actually talking to the folks at Chocolate Moose uh, downtown that's been well publicized, uh, who we used to shop there. We continue to shop there, but they're going to, you know, a long-term business that's an anchor in the community that gets forced out is, uh, uh, that will happen occasionally like it does in all cities, but when it's happening on a large scale, then you've got a problem you've got to correct. Future of a Trans Mountain pipeline expansion uh, seems to be very much up in the air at this point. Uh, but what would your role be if you're a mayor of Vancouver with regards to I know the future of such an expansion? Because this is very much a provincial federal issue here. There's limited amounts that really the city level can do. Mm-hmm. What do you envision your role being here? Yeah, I mean. Uh, my opposition to the pipeline is quite well known. Um, and the reason I did it, though, was for my constituents. So, uh, you know, back in 2011, when I was elected in North Burnaby, uh, my constituents decided they didn't want this. So I fought like hell for them. I really did. And and I and I have done for seven years. Um, uh, and uh, it wasn't really driven by me. It was driven by my community. So, so yes, I still oppose the Kinder Morgan pipeline, and I would continue to do what the city does now, is to intervene in, in court cases. Uh, I think that's uh, a good use, and it, and it is a very bad project for the city, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but but I think it, this my actions there also demonstrate how how much I dig in for the people I represent, and and that is. Uh, you know, and I think that's a good trait in a mayor, and I hope other people do too. But you need a mayor that's going to fight for the city and and uh, not just talk about doing it. I have demonstrated that that is, uh, you know, that's I'll I'll go all the way if I have to get something for the people I represent. What What about the fear from some of the business community that you know, if you have a mayor like that, it could you signal Vancouver's kind of closed to business to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's such a specific project. It doesn't show that. I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, in Ottawa, even though my opposition, you know, I stand up in the House of Commons and make my anti-Kinder Morgan speech and I get booed and people say throw him in jail and stuff. But then I walk in the lobbies and I talk to people, fine. You know, I can talk to ministers. It's it's because I have that experience. I don't, it's not a personal attack. It's, it's, it's something about policy. And I think that's always how I've conducted myself. So even though I may be on the other side of an issue uh with with uh with other elected representatives whoever i can compartmentalize that and immediately go and go have a beer with them or something and and work through other issues so so i mean and that's really what my experience has taught me is don't hold grudges and do not make personal attacks because you may have to work with somebody the next day and uh and that's that's what i've learned from this i have to say it's you know my grandfather was an Anglican priest and I always think, like, what would he say if he saw me standing here on, on, on passing an injunction line? And so it's something I did not do lightly. I did it for my constituents, though. This is shaping up to be an interesting election for a number of reasons. One regionally is that we're seeing this kind of changing of the guard with more than half of municipality mayors choosing not to seek re-election. Um, what do you think, if elected, you'd bring to sort of the regional bodies that tackle issues? So Mayor's Council, Metro Vancouver Board, uh, given your experience at the federal level, what do you contribute there? I think it's more of the same. It, it is bringing people together. Uh, and that's what I've done at the federal level. You know, last year, I I wrote a book with Michael Chong and Elizabeth May about how to make parliament better. So, uh, you know, that's something that that's been kind of the hallmark of my, my career is, is that, and, and I do think it's, it's all constant negotiation. Uh, you know, 
city council is constant negotiation, regional is constant negotiation, as is provincial and federal. And I think so. So I'm experienced in that, that area. And uh, I think, you know, the mayor of Vancouver does play an important role in, in Metro. And I, I think, uh, you know, one, th- I'll tell you a story. Uh, when I was elected with Jack Layton in 2011, it was the first time the NDP was the official opposition. There are 103 of us in the House of Commons. And Jack told us, no heckling. So we went into the House of Commons and none of us heckled. And the other sides were, you know, liberals and conservatives were heckling away. And then Stephen Harper walked across and talked to Jack Layton and said, we're not going to heckle either. And then for a month, because Jack was only there for a month, uh, there was no heckling. And it shows what leadership can do to change the, the how you negotiate and how you talk to people. And so, I mean, sometimes I go back and watch that footage when the House of Commons was quiet and 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 actually you were debating on, on uh, you know, we were debating um, extending the, uh, the mission in, in Libya, which is a pretty heavy topic, right? You're, you're basically, you know, sending bombers over there, jet fighters and stuff. And so it, it really did help the discussion not to be yelling at each other. And I do think, you know, you're, you're inspired by that kind of leadership and uh, that hopefully those lessons I could bring to the to Metro Council and, and try to get everybody to work along a little better. Talk to people out there. They look at traffic right now, and I don't think any of them think it's necessarily getting even better. How do you want to tackle the congestion issues that are plaguing many parts of the city? Yeah. So again, uh, like the big infrastructure transit projects like uh, the Broadway, you know, SkyTrain extension, they depend on provincial and and federal funding. Uh, So your job as mayor is to go off and get that funding and and make the case and and use every trick in the book to try to get them invest here rather than in Ontario or Quebec, because that's really the competition. Uh, And uh, but then it's to concentrate on what you can do. And so really, it's not very glamorous, but um, my plan is to bring in more kind of local community buses. So especially for seniors and people that are transit dependent, this this really gets people out of their cars and lets them better access their local community. So you, you go out of your door, you get the little local bus, you go to the library and the community center and the doctor and the bank and the grocery store, and that can all be done on your little local bus. Uh, and once they get to 80% capacity, they, they pay for themselves. So this is something the city can do directly. Um, and it does get people out of cars and then it reduces uh, traffic congestion locally. The problem is, it's a good thing, is that we're the core of the region and you're going to have lots of people driving into the city. So so the best thing we can do is, is also help to in- increase uh, regional transit options for folks. Um, and, and that should reduce it. But it, most city issues are about managing problems rather than solving them and and also measuring as you're going along to make sure things are getting better rather than worse and and being transparent about that. So I, I do think that's something that I would immediately do at the city too is say, here's the baseline that we started from. This is where our goal is. These are the policies we're going to use to try to get there and then report, is this working or not? And if it's not working, try something different. We, of course, have the legalization of recreational cannabis coming up in just a couple of weeks now. We've been talking about it for so long. How would you handle the illegal dispensaries that are well-known in Vancouver and have been here for quite some yeah. time? Well, I am really proud of, uh, you know, I did get a piece of legislation passed uh, that amends the criminal code when it comes to impaired uh, driving, uh, which will affect the use of cannabis. So, so I mean, uh, that's something I had, a, I worked with a constituent on that who'd lost uh, a sister in an impaired driving accident. So, so that is another example of how does a guy in opposition get stuff passed in the House of Commons? Well, you make a good case and, uh, and it was incorporated in, in the law that was passed in June. Um, with the local dispensaries, I am, uh, uh, you know, 
I enjoy enjoy craft beer as much as the next person, and I do think there's lots of room for for craft uh, cannabis, uh, you know, ways of of, of uh, dispensing that, and also developing products and that type of thing. So, so I, I think that's what the city, uh, you know, we have limited powers in this area, but uh, but I do think it's important to have a mix and not just have a you know one giant company owning everything. I, I do think that uh, innovation often co- comes from the smaller outfits, and and that's that would be great. And and especially if at some point we can, uh, you know, make this uh, an industry that we're already very good at. Everybody knows that. I think the Fraser Institute said uh, BC is like a seven has a seven billion dollar a year cannabis industry now. But now that it's going to be legalized, uh, that's something we can lead in as long as it fits well with the city. As long as it uh, it, it kind of it. it I don't know, it, uh, it synchronizes with what we're doing now. So you're not, uh, it's not wrecking your day-to-day life. So that, that's, that's really the balance we have to strike. But I do think it's, it's a big opportunity for us to, uh, you know, to move, and we should move ahead with it. Well, Kennedy, we appreciate you coming in. Thanks for your time and best of luck on the campaign. Well, trail. thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for the work you do. That's Kennedy Stewart, Vancouver mayoral candidate running as an independent. And that's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV today. You can find us on iTunes or go to Stitcher or just go to BIV.com to find the rest of our business stories up online. 